The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hello, and welcome to Lucas Lectures, hosted by the big fish himself, veteran Lucas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's topic. Alright, so welcome back to all our returning fans and our new ones too. Welcome, welcome. A couple things I wanted to get out of the way before we get started on this great new episode. I wanted to give a shout out to two of our patrons. One, Simon, for joining up with us. You rock, Simon. Thanks for joining up with the crew. And shout out to Kimberly for upping up the amount she was helping us out. So that deserves another shout out. Y'all rock. Thank you for keeping us going. So, quick Japan update going on right now. Um, Tokyo has about 100 cases that showed up this week, so things are still meh. I can't travel yet in Japan, but at least I'm safe, I'm okay in my small Japanese apartment. Um, in Pokemon news, the guys are definitely going to talk about it in the other episodes, but I wanted to put in my two cents for Pokemon Unite. Long story short, I have no problems with the Pokemon MOBA. It's an interesting and profitable market for the company. I think it's a good idea. But it is a Tencent game, so I will not be touching it with a 10-foot pole. Uh, if you look up the Blizzard Hong Kong incident, that's kind of my reasoning as to why. I won't get into too much detail on it. Uh, I'm just going to save my money for Pokemon Snap because really, for us 90s kids, that's all, that's all we ever wanted. It's literally the only thing we've asked for in the last, like, 20 years. So, those of you who missed it, the last lecture... We talked about the very best Pokemon, who I thought, through science and reasoning, is the best Pokemon in the game. No spoilers, but you can go check it out. Today, I'm going in a different direction. We're going to be looking at some of the very worst Pokemon. Now, we're looking at them not from a stance of, oh my gosh, this Pokemon is so bad, like comment and subscribe fam. No, that's not not my style. I actually want to take the Pokemon that people think are the absolute worst and defend them. Defend them in the context of how they would be useful in the Pokemon world compared to real-world animals and real-world organisms. I think that's just the best I can do with this. I don't want to make this too negative. So, I had a pretty good place to start. Uh, There was a Reddit user by the name of Chris Mattis. Chris underscore Mattis had over 50,000 people fill out a poll to see the least favorite Pokemon. And he got a pretty good list and selection, so I was able to go through and pick a few of them. Now... Certain Pokemon I excluded from my choices. If they were popular, like Charizard or Pikachu or Incineroar, a lot of people just hated them. And so they were on the list, and I'm like, no, they're not that bad. Just because they're popular doesn't mean they're bad. That is some 90s nerd outcast cliche we don't need anymore. I'm also not going to use the legendaries like Arceus just because, I don't know, legendary status gets a pass. And I'm not going to be used ones that are competitively hard to fight against. Like, if you hate stall teams, listen, man, I get it. I play Pokemon in the most aggressive style possible. If I did not win a Pokemon match in less than four moves, I feel bad. With uh, this, I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm picking Pokemon pretty much based on how awful their designs are or how awfully received they were because of their stats. So let's get out of the way with the one that seems to be unanimously despised. Uh, aromatis so going through the list this was the first one that really stuck out to me because aromatis is 
Okay, let's look at this design of this thing. It looks like a burlesque show bird. It looks like it walked out of a New Orleans burlesque show. And it just showed up in Gen 6. Now, given the history of burlesque in French culture, it makes sense that this would pop up in Generation 6. But it's super slow. Its design is, like, weirdly ugly and somehow also suggestive. It was weird. And it's supposed to be a support but its main ability gives you a 30% chance to help your friends over a status condition. Is that the kind of friend you want? The one that chooses to help you less than a third of the time? I had to dig through the Pokedex to see what I could find that make this thing even remotely likable. And what's cool is it lives up to its name. It controls smells. It releases different smells. Everything from sweet alluring smells to attract things to smells that cause literal depression that just stop you from wanting to do anything. In nature, tons of plants have this strategy where they will actually secrete pheromones and chemicals to attract the predators of herbivorous insects. So it attracts these animals so they can eat the pests that are picking on them. And you guys all know that skunks are pretty well documented as using smell as a weapon against predators too. Uh, incidentally, if you're ever sprayed by a skunk, campfire smoke works really well, and it's cheaper than tomatoes. Now, how would I use this ability? I ask no one in my small Japanese apartment. Short answer, Disney World. Okay, so for those of you who have never been to Disney World, one of the things that Disney has done is they've taken theme parks to a level you don't appreciate until you go there and until you go there multiple times. One of the most famous tricks they use is to get you to buy stuff and they do that by pumping sweet smells of cookies and sugar down Main Street. Basically, it smells so sweet and enticing, you want to stay longer and you have a higher chance of buying stuff. In the Pokemon world, if you have an aromatisse, who cares if it's a terrible fighter? You can just use that smell power to attract customers to your store and you become a millionaire. With one of these, you why would you even buy repels? All you'd have to do is teach your aromatisse to release the smell of a Tyranitar, and all of a sudden, everything is going to come running away. The only downside is you might attract an even bigger Tyranitar, but then, hey, you can catch a Tyranitar, and I think that's a pretty good deal. So, aromatisse, yes, not the best fighter, but in terms of just the ability of using smell as a weapon, I think that's greatly underused. All right, next up, oh, oh, the classics. Oh, we're going to talk about Mr. Mime. We have to. I'm looking at this list and like, Mr. Mime, we got to bring it up. Now, hopefully you've seen some of our new videos. I'll post a link in the description. We actually talked about Mr. Rhyme, uh, the newest Pokemon to come in off of Mr. Mime. But I wanted you guys to hear my thoughts on Mr. Mime. I get it. You hate clowns. And mimes aren't really that far off from clowns. The fact that it's classified as an animal and it just lives in the woods, this weird man-looking thing building barriers and freaking people out at night. I think it's underestimated just how useful this affront to Arceus can be. Mr. Mime can create near-unbreakable barriers and it keeps things in or out. That's a pretty good ability. It's said that its hands were specifically evolved for pantomime. Uh, in the Let's Go decks, it even says that it will fake barriers to assume, make you assume that there's something there. So imagine if Mr. Mime makes a barrier, you run into it, and now that Charizard you just sent into battle, it just spooked. It sees Mr. Mime moving his hands, and it doesn't know where the real wall is. It doesn't know what's going to happen to it. It just knows it might run into another wall. That's some mind games, and I think that's a, that would be really, really fun to mess around with. 
outside of a fighting, everyone knows Ash's mom has Mr. Mime, and uh, there's some horrible jokes about that. But think about what Mr. Mime's doing for Ash's mom. He is doing housework. He is doing chores. He is doing laundry. He is sweeping. He's even cooking. It's like the rat from Ratatouille, but it has thumbs, and it doesn't sit on your head. Again, the only downside when you look in the Pokedex, you gotta take the good with the bad. If you're not impressed by its moves, it will hit you for twice the damage. So every time it does something, you just have to applaud. Just like, oh yes, good job. Don't hurt me, please. You have to always be appreciative or it's going to beat you. But I mean, have you ever worked with actors before? Occasionally you're going to find that some of them can be a bit dramatic. All right, next up. Two scoops. Sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you like that. But for those of you who don't know, again, these are some of our older episodes. Actually, this was about a year ago. Uh, me and my buddies in college used to make jokes about this Pokemon all the time. We thought it was so goofy looking that we just turned that into our like slogan. We would literally just show up and say hi in college and just yell out, Two scoops! Just because we knew that Vanillix was so despised. So obviously this is the one that gets dragged into the fire every time someone says that, Oh, Gen 5 has the worst designs of any Pokemon. And I'm like, listen, buddy... You didn't look at Ditto or Muck, did you, in Generation 1? Listen, the designs can sometimes be a little weird. And again, I think this Pokemon is so much fun. I love Vanillix. If I was smart enough to find a way to use it in battle, I would. Now, I've made this argument one year ago in saying that it's not that bad, and Ice Cream has a really big part in American history, and its power is horrifying. It has the ability to freeze everything in the general vicinity around it solid in a few seconds in order to do that at such speeds to freeze a human body to stop it in that speed would take you generating freezing temperatures lower than absolute zero that is physically impossible absolute zero is the temperature in kelvin where your molecules stop moving they just stop vibrating you are unable to move it's not fun Vanillix has this ability all set up. So what are you going to use this thing for? I mean, my answer is skiing. My answer is just put it on a mountain, have it create snow, and you can have a ski trip in July. Also, you can just make sure that this animal is used in air conditioning units. If it's ever summertime, you can have this thing out here. As long as you keep it happy, it's not going to freeze you solid. And they're really, really dangerous. In fact, they're so dangerous, I think that's the reason that Public didn't take that shirt down. They took down... All our other shirts for copyright strikes, but not Two Scoops. Two Scoops is far too dangerous and far too powerful for them to ever dare to cross it. Two Scoops for life! Alright, next up we have... Ah, another classic. Dunsparce. Oh, I can feel the shudders now. I can feel people like, oh... Every time we get a new generation, there's a subset of the Pokemon fandom that's like, come on, give it an evolution, give it a Mega Evolution, give it a Dynamax, give it something, anything. We need this Pokemon to be better. And every year they are met with horrifying disappointment and it keeps looking and acting like an extra thick snake with a weird drill tail. Now it is based on a mythological creature. I'm not going to get too much into that. I'm just going to get into this as the Pokemon itself. In the decks, apparently it was able to fly a long time ago, but now it just muddles around on the ground. The real-life example of that would be a Kiwi. 
Kiwis adapted and evolved in New Zealand, and they don't need their wings anymore. They just stay along the ground, and now they produce the largest eggs-to-body size ratio in the world. Go ahead and look up x-rays of a kiwi about to lay an egg. I'll wait like three seconds so you can pause it. Horrifying, isn't it? It's downright terrifying. But the other cool thing is that it makes a lot of twisting, turning tunnels by drilling backwards. Now, that means that it can build tunnels very similar to animals like naked mole rats. And like naked mole rats, they have a pretty good idea of where they're going. In the decks, it even says that this Pokemon can know every turn in its tunnel just by its scent. So it has an amazingly good sense of smell. And they even share their homes with Diglets and Dugtrios, so they know how to cooperate. Now, it's not the best fighter unless you pull some Serene Grace headbutt coil shenanigans, which people really aren't going to let you try anymore anyway. But it can't be all bad. If you look at people who are lost in landslides, you could have this thing literally drill down and help find people because it's so small, you'd be able to just go right on in there. And you could also have it dig to go looking for anything trying to destroy your crops. It's a really weird design, but it's not completely useless in the Pokemon world. It's just useful in other ways that aren't fighting. All right, last one. Ah, we haven't talked about this one since episode two. Memories. Oh, sweet memories. Uh, this is actually Bruxish. Bruxish. Ugh, I can't say Bruxish. There it is. I haven't talked about this in a while. And honestly, this Pokemon is one of the most hated things of the last generation. Bruxish is definitely not what I'm going to call a beauty contest winner. Bruxish is color scheme reminds me of an art major got sick and threw up on it combined with its weird teeth its lips the proboscis coming off its head it's not winning any pokemon contest based on its look now it does have crazy cool psychic powers and it can rip apart anything with its brain but to me its teeth are way more interesting because of the animals they remind me of now, in the Pokedex entry, it's said that it will eat Marini spikes and Shelter shells, and it'll just crush those up as its food source. Both of those things would be pretty high in calcium, which is very similar to parrotfish and triggerfish. They will actually munch on things like coral and shells, and they will then excrete the leftovers. If you've ever sat during this pandemic and thought i want to go to the beach i want to go to a white sandy beach and just relax yeah keep in mind every single white sandy beach you have ever been to all of that every single grain has been eaten and pooped out by either a sea cucumber like pukamuku or bruxish or any sort of parrotfish Basically, all you're standing on is the leftover waste of all these billions of trillions of animals for hundreds, if not millions of years. Ugh, it's wonderful. So, if you think about it, in Alola, the only reason that they have this bustling tourist industry, in part to that Kukui never puts on his shirt, it's that the sand is always going to be this white color. Without animals like this, you would not have the amazing and stunning beaches we have in our world or in that world. So these were just five Pokemon I felt that could use a little bit of an extra bump. I wanted to make sure that they got a little bit more love because, again, in combat, they ain't great. They're not the best. you got to be as smart as Dawn to figure out how to make these things work, even in the slightest capacity. But to me, I think that liking Pokemon for more than just combat can be a lot of fun. It's a fun little mental exercise for me. Now, a couple things before we wrap up. 
I got an email. Uh, we got an email the other few weeks ago now where someone actually thanked us for, well, basically they said they didn't know what they wanted to do with their career path and they decided to listen to our podcast and this helped inspire them to get out there, to be a part of nature, to try and be, get to be a naturalist. And I think that's that's amazing. I'm not going to say your name because that's weird. I don't want to do that on this podcast, but thank you so much. This is why we do this. We want you to learn. We want you to have fun. If you're looking to get into this kind of work of working with animals and working with nature, uh, start doing your research now. Believe it or not, a lot of national parks and stuff, a lot of people are going to start losing your job. It's not the best time to join, but eventually once all of this is over, they're going to need some new people. And if you've been spending your time stuck indoors studying and researching, if you've been outside in the safest measures looking at stuff, you can become a naturalist. You can explore the Pokemon in our own world and learn about them. And I think that's really what I've always wanted to see is people taking Pokemon and their love of it and applying it to the real world. Now, one last thing I wanted to add to the news thing. I mentioned it a bit. Chris has been working like a madman, the beautiful madman that he is, in getting our YouTube stuff back up to snuff. Now, we have a new YouTube channel. I'm going to put it in the description of this podcast. Y'all can find it there. You can connect it there, and you can see all the videos we worked on. We wanted to incorporate something different as we go forward. So with that being said, hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Please stay safe. Uh, next time, we'll find a new weird topic to talk about. But for now, again, thank you so much for listening. This is Lucas shouting out from Hamamatsu, Japan. Peace! Peace!